0: In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to and wonderful. cover is not the box, I'll open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again?
1: Inspired. by or other things that you can listen to or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. At times on Notably Disney, I like to mix it up a bit. Certainly the core essence of this podcast is on Disney music and books. That's what makes it in many ways distinct and complementary to some other podcasts. And there are occasions when I want to explore some other elements, and this is one example of that in focusing on the third anniversary of Disney+, Plus, hooray, that will always be etched in my memory as one of the best Disney-related days ever when the streaming platform launched, even though I had to go to a conference that day, and I remember fervently just downloading a few episodes of uh, the Imagineering Story documentary on my iPhone so that I could Know take part in the celebrations that were the debut of this transformative part of the Walt Disney company. And you know, so time has passed, and what that means, a lot of reflection on what's worked, what has worked, and what hasn't, and opportunities for growth. So I felt like you know what, some time has passed. Let's focus on how Disney Plus can be enhanced. There are many different avenues there in terms of the programming, in terms of features, in terms of just overall focus. And so with that came an idea. Let's make this one of the Sorcerer's Hat series episodes. I've had a few of these where it's just like a lot of brainstorming and thinking of what could be. I've uh, had a few of these episodes in the past here on the podcast, uh, including a discussion of who should be named as Disney legends based on their musical contributions to the company and you might remember who was the guest on that podcast episode, uh, episodes really. It was uh, Aaron Wallace, who is uh, definitely a renowned Disney author, one of the most well-spoken individuals who I know, and just a very brilliant individual who knows a lot about Disney and has a lot of very thoughtful, well-reasoned opinions about the company. So, perfect guest for this conversation. Please enjoy as Aaron and I talk about ways to enhance Disney Plus. Three years ago, the debut of the streaming service that has enabled all of us to relive our favorite magical memories and make new ones too, transformed the way that we consume Disney content. Disney Plus has grown into a major vehicle for delivering outstanding original series, films, specials, and shorts in tandem with offering a vast catalog from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and more recently 20th Century Studios. And today on Notably Disney, I am joined by one of my favorite guests, author Aaron Wallace, who has been on the podcast a record number of times uh, as we discuss uh, different ways to enhance Disney Plus across a number of different categories. And it's my pleasure to bring you back to the conversation, Aaron.
0: Hey, Brett. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be back on Notably Disney. And I'm excited for this topic because you brought this subject to me. And so that tells me that this is something that's been on your mind. And it just so happens that it's kind of always on my mind, too. And so I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about it. And I imagine that together we'll have some uh, pretty compelling ideas.
1: Oh, I think so. I have I have no doubt of that. And, you know, it's, it's really, I guess, just to kind of start us off it's it's pretty incredible to think of how much has unfolded in the past 3 years just in human society but ultimately the growth of Disney plus right the streaming platform launched a few months before the shutdown um uh really in the wake of a, a really fantastic 2019 d23 expo where we got a lot of perspective into what disney plus would offer um you know what what's i guess just as a starting question like what's your general take of the evolution of disney plus over this past 36 months thereabouts.
0: Well, it's been fascinating to watch. I mean, I think we've seen Disney try things, abandon some of them, continue on with others. I mean, at the height of the pandemic or I guess the early days of the pandemic, we had a lot of those uh, day and date sort of pay-per-view options where, you know, a family could pay 30 bucks and watch Mulan the day that it would have gone to theaters and that sort of thing. And, and we don't see that happening so much anymore. But I think it's it's been interesting just to see them try and, and experiment. Uh, and at the same time, you know, even in preparing for this episode, I was browsing through Disney Plus and I came across the Little Mermaid animated series from the 90s. And I knew that it was there, but I sort of re-realized that it was there and I just had this spark of joy inside. And it's like, it is amazing that I could just, just sit down on my couch and pull up all of these random, in many cases, fairly deep cuts from Disney history uh, and just watch them at my leisure in fairly high quality. Like, what a time
1: to be alive. I know I was I I was thinking the same thing about a month ago I came across um they have the whole new adventures of Winnie the Pooh from the late 80s early 90s and 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 same thing like a bunch of uh the older animated shows like they actually look pretty good in terms of you know they they certainly invested some time in cleaning them up and making them look sharp for you know a a digital era so yeah
0: you know I and I think Results results vary in terms of you know how much uh, effort they put into some titles over others, but for the most part, I think even the worst look things, worst looking things, still are pretty darn streamable, uh, and certainly better than YouTube, which is what we often had to turn to before now.
1: Yeah, it's, to think of it all at our fingertips, I remember, uh, I I remember just the the months leading up to Disney Plus just being so excited. This countdown of like. I can't think of anything in recent years, like in terms of entertainment that I was so looking forward to. And I feel like in so many ways it has delivered in terms of just offering a plethora of content and the opportunity to engage with stuff that you haven't for years. Um, and in concert with that, there's just been a lot of original material, um, different ways to, uh, to engage with content as we'll, um, discuss shortly, but it's, um, it's just amazing how how quickly three years have passed, but ultimately how much um, material has been uh, put on that platform in, in that time as well.
0: It's so true. There's so much there, but at the same time, there's so much that isn't there that I know all of us as Disney fans uh, would like to see. Uh, it's I kind of think we are insatiable uh, as fans, and and perhaps rightfully so. I mean, it's you know the content is the reason that that we are in the fandom, and there's a lot of it and there's so much more that still could be added. And I can remember that lead up, as you said, that very exciting time when we were all counting down the days to the launch of Disney plus. And I remember being on Twitter, just furiously tweeting all the things that I was like, Oh, we're going to see this. We're going to see that. And of course I'm getting, I was getting very deep into the uh, Uber niche uh, realms of the Disney catalog. And some of that's there. A lot of it isn't uh, and could be, I think. And so uh, I'm sure we'll tackle some of that here in our
1: discussion today. Well, I think that's a good segue to talk about content that should be added to the library. But I have to ask because you brought that up in terms of the initial list. Do you remember when Disney like released the official list of all the things at launch?
0: Yeah, I'd forgotten that they did that. But yes, I absolutely remember. And Twitter just kind of like devouring that list and parsing through it. And and the the yays and the nays uh, were very uh, vocal. That was That was a fun little week there on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I literally remember highlighting all like go like homing through it just to highlight the stuff that like, I've never seen this, I want to watch it or I haven't watched this movie in forever that that's going to be on the docket the next year. So yeah, it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, in fact, I seem to recall there was an early iteration of that that list that was fairly limited, but it wasn't clear at the time that it was just a highlights list. Right, And so initially there was a little bit of rancor, like, oh, this is all we're getting. And then I seem to recall Disney did almost like a a live tweet where they were just dropping uh, title cards of all of the additional, like, and you're getting this, and you're getting this too. And then that was uh, when we realized, okay, there's a lot more here. And, And some of that initial heartburn, uh, kind of cooled down and and then it was just a very exciting time.
1: For sure. Well, and, you know, certainly there was a lot at launch and, and more Vault content has been released over, I mean, even three years into the, the process, we're still getting drops that are making a lot of people thrilled. Bear in the Big Blue House came out last month. I think everybody's so pumped about that. I know I was.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, i love there in the big blue house so that's exciting news
1: yeah a little bit of more jim henson in the mix right so um but let's maybe start off with content that has not been on disney plus that should be added to the library um if anybody wants to you know google what is yet to be on disney plus the 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 lists are extensive there's heck of a lot that is not on Disney Plus across all different parts of the the Walt Disney company um, and, and different forms of uh, home entertainment and film and television, et cetera. But how are you making sense of this when you were uh, assembling your, your list of, of must want to see on Disney Plus?
0: Well, it's so funny. It didn't even occur to me to Google for that, but it sounds like people have compiled actual lists. Are they comprehensive?
1: They're pretty comprehensive. Um, One of the best ones is on what's on Disney plus.com, which is a website geared all around Disney plus. And um, I think the most recent iteration from was from earlier 2022. Um, So maybe slightly outdated, but still very applicable.
0: Okay. Well, I definitely need to look for those. And and I'm sure there are all kinds of things on there that had I remembered them, they would be on my list, but uh, I just kind of, uh looked into my it looked into my heart so to speak and like what are the things that I am most passionately longing for and I just kind of threw those on a list and, and as it turns out there were a lot of those things <laughs> so what, what
1: is in your heart Aaron okay so
0: I'll start with just some tv series and I can maybe just rattle off a few of them but sure probably the number one title like if I had to pick one thing to add to Disney plus right here today it would be Muppets Tonight
1: that's on my list as like number one too yeah yeah Oh gosh. And I've got, you know, we,
0: ju- we just got the Muppet show. So, I mean, that was a step in the right direction. I feel like inevitably it's going to happen. And for anyone who's listening, who's not aware uh, the Muppets tonight was sort of a re- revival of sorts of, of the Muppet show that aired. Uh, I think it was in primetime in the nineties uh, and had a lot of great celebrity cameos and is is fondly remembered uh, and has not seen the light of day in many, many years. And uh, it's got to be on near the top of their most requested titles like whatever their data shows them that people want to see because i feel like i constantly see people on social media begging for muppets tonight
1: yeah and you know it's interesting so this was a series that it, it was on abc i think starting in 96 for like one or two seasons but then they shifted to disney channel and that was my exposure to it and i loved it i mean it's how I learned about certain celebrities like Michelle Pfeiffer who now I know who Michelle Pfeiffer is or, or what the, like, you know, you know, putting a face to, to Shenzi from the Lion King. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it had a number of episodes and it introduced um, some Muppets that like Pepe, the King of Prawn, like that was like, he was more prominent on, on that than I think he had been in anything prior. So it's a great show. <laughs>
0: Yeah. In fact, I want to say, was that his origin, his first appearance?
1: I don't know. I feel like he may have been in Muppet Treasure Island, which is also 96, but that would be uh, really kind of confirming my Muppet (laughs) nerdum. So
0: yeah, I have to look into that. But yeah, I, I finally remember the Whoopi Goldberg episode, of course. Uh, but I, I feel it is almost an almost certainty that we will see Muppets Tonight at some point. Like some of the titles on my list, I don't know if, if we'll see them anytime soon, but I think Muppets Tonight is going to happen.
1: Yeah, let's put that in the universe. Um, that's so funny. That was at the top of my list too. What what else came to mind for you? Yeah.
0: Okay, well, I, I can just kind of rattle off a few of these. Uh Road to Avonlea, also known as Tales uh, of Avonlea or Tales from Avonlea uh, aired on the Disney channel uh, in the late 80s and the 90s. And it's a Disney co-production with the Canadian company called Sullivan Entertainment. And they have their own streaming platform. Uh, and so that may explain in part why uh, the series is not on Disney+. Plus. However, in the whole history of Disney home video... Disney and Sullivan have partnered to make this series available on Disney-branded disc and VHS, even as Sullivan Entertainment was releasing its own version of those same products. And so it seems to me like that could translate uh, to, uh, to uh, to the current streaming environment as well. But I don't know. Are you familiar with that show at all?
1: It was slightly before my time, but I do remember it was on the air in Disney channel, probably like in early nineties, maybe it kind of tailed off when Disney shifted in its direction in the late nineties. But I do remember hearing about it. Okay.
0: Yeah. And that's a, a lot of what's on my list comes from that same sort of era. You just early Disney channel stuff. So Dumbo's circus. Oh, sure. Uh, House at Pooh corner, which was the kind of live action Winnie the Pooh with the the larger than life. Oh yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> And so many people do. It made such a visceral impact. Uh, Mouse size uh, from that same era. Under the Umbrella Tree. That's another like third party license deal. But again, they've always been they've yeah. worked very collaborative collaboratively with Disney in the home video era. Uh, House of Mouse, Mickey Mouse Works, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. Certainly of the '90s, but really all of the iterations of the Mickey Mouse Club. I think the only one we have is is the newest one from the 2000s. Uh, So all of that Disney Channel content, I think, is really begging for addition.
1: Yeah, among the ones that you mentioned, I also had House of Mouse on my list. And I know that one is often a top request as well, because for many, like I remember just hearing the concept and being absolute as a child, like being absolutely enthralled, like, all the characters in one place. And then got complimented by some of the Mickey Mouse Works shorts, like that was a, it was a fun show. And like, it was just so many different ways in, like, in which the the creators were just, I don't know, making fun of things. There were a lot of meta references and oh my gosh, that was a blast.
0: It really was. Uh, our mutual friend, Ruben, and I were uh, talking about some of this the other night, and he made the remark that House of Mouse was the original Disney metaverse. Yes, yes. And it's spot on. And I feel like in the era of the metaverse, we definitely need House of Mouse on Disney+. There was
1: even, do you remember, it's... So Ludwig von Drake had a few songs, and there was like a like Roy E. Disney makes an appearance as an animated character on House of Mouse. That's how weird it is. I don't remember that, yeah, yeah. oh that's that's exciting. yeah, we need that.: I don't think he voices the character, but you actually see him um, in the, in the House of Mouse uh, venue. It's very funny, so so cool. yeah. Did you have any other
0: TV series on your list?
1: I did. Um, I, this is absolutely not going to happen because there were liti- litigation issues. But Bill Nye, the science guy, um, there was massive like controversy like several years ago where I think he felt gypped out of some of the profits associated with the series over time. Um, it, pe- folks can look it up. I don't remember all the specifics, but ultimately, I mean that was a huge fixture as part of you know Disney and certainly Bill Nye and all the different attractions over the years. But I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. But people would arguably want to see that series because it was such a pivotal part of their childhood.
0: Yeah, and I feel like especially now, Bill Nye has at least as much cultural relevance as he has ever had. And uh, I did not know about the whole controversy. Was that a Disney production or co-production?
1: It was through uh, Disney television. Okay. So, yeah, and it aired, I think, in in most places on PBS, but perhaps at one point it was on Disney Channel and then um, tons of uh, home releases uh, like VHS. I mean, that's where, you know, so many schools had uh, their own copies of, of the different episodes. So it had a huge base. And yes, that was that was his entrance to the Walt Disney Company back in 93. So,
0: Okay. yeah. Yeah, I think it would be nice to see that because there is this close association between Bill Nye and the Disney brand. I do remember seeing it air, uh, you know, on, on Disney programming and of course his presence in Epcot, etc. Uh, et cetera. So, um, that'd be wonderful to see.
1: Yeah. Uh, a few other sh- series that I'll just quickly mention, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. Yeah. That was pretty good. Unfortunately, uh, Um, Peter Scolari who played um, the Wayne Zelensky character he passed away recently Uh so I think that'd be a nice little tribute to him Um, but that that ran on in syndication for probably a good three years Um, there was a ton of episodes those aired on Disney Channel in the late 90s early 2000s Um, Home Improvement which is a huge Disney fixture right with Tim Allen and um one of the biggest hits i think for abc for the 90s
0: i hadn't even thought about home improvement is that not streaming on any platform
1: i i don't know about that but it's not on disney plus and it seems like that would be natural um it's not on hulu either so at least yeah. not to my knowledge so that's shocking i mean home improvement was like a,
0: was dominant in the 90s in terms of uh primetime family viewing i mean it was like the ratings king for years and years uh and there was even i remember people used to say that tim allen drew carey and regis philbin were the trifecta that saved the disney company (laughs) or at least saved uh abc and uh so it's amazing that that wouldn't be there
1: and i take that back it is on hulu but it still seems like it could fit on disney plus given the nature of like it's 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 not like that was too risque or too adult i i think it kind of like a love victor ended up being on both hulu and disney plus i could see home improvements straddling that as well
0: yeah i'm so glad you mentioned that because another item i have on my list is the golden girls and its spin-off series the golden palace and it has some other spin-off series as well emptiness uh, for example And, you know, those series live on Hulu. I don't know the empty nest is there, but the Golden Girls and the Golden Palace are currently on Hulu. And there has always been such close association between that property and the Disney brand that it's weird to me that they shy away from it on Disney Plus, especially when you get some of the more adult content or I should say adult leaning content. Uh, that does turn up on Disney Plus. And that's part of a bigger discussion that I I think we'll get to later. But uh, I think those are some really salient examples, Golden Girls, Home Improvement, of series that, if anything, I think would be more at home on Disney Plus. Because even in the general public, I think people recognize and identify those as Disney series.
1: Yeah, no, that's a very astute point. Um, Also on the television front, uh, The Amazing Race, which is... Uh, produced through, um, I mean, a bunch of different venues, but Disney is partially responsible for The Amazing Race. So I think I know that's through CBS and and presumably Paramount Plus, but I think that would be cool to see it there too.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, again, I not really thought of the Disney connection there, but very popular show. And that's the kind of programming that I think some of the other streaming platforms have a lot to offer. And I'm not sure that Disney has a lot of that kind of thing. Sort of like the reality game show. I mean, The Mole, for example, is so popular on Netflix right now. And I don't know that there's uh, a real alternative to that on Disney+. Plus.
1: Yeah, yeah. An interesting connection too. The Mole started out 20 years ago on ABC, um, but now it's shifted in different incarnations. Um, the only other TV-related series i have are a bunch of the different walt disney presents specials um from years ago so wonderful world of disney um those old i mean there's a there's a sampling on disney plus in terms of specific like you know um you know uh was it disney the world's fair i think there's a special on disney plus there but very very few of those deep cuts that us disney fans would just have have uh all over us if we could oh yeah yeah I,
0: was, specials uh it, that's there are so many uh from over the years that we don't have currently and i would listed a few of those of course there are so many of the disney parks specials i mean everything from the muppets go to walt disney world to just all of the anniversary specials i mean i, I know we have a couple of those like there's the mouseketeers at walt disney world from what is it the the
1: 70s I'm gonna say. oh yeah boy is that problematic have you watched <laughs> it <laughs>
0: i have and and so many of those old specials are but at the same time i love that not only did they add it to disney plus but they included all of those retro commercials yeah it would be great to see that happen with some of the other decades and eras uh, respective tv specials
1: as well oh i totally concur did you have any television movies on your list by chance
0: yeah, you know, I, I know there are a few of those. You mentioned the Wonderful World of Disney, and some of those uh, popular originals are missing. Uh, I, I know our friends on the Mad Chatters just did an episode uh, looking back at a few of those from the '90s, and I think like Toothless, Tower of Terror are not, I believe, on uh, on Disney Plus, and it seems like they should be. The original Under Wraps uh, is not there, and yet the remake is. Again, that's kind of a, a head scratcher. Uh, and then. The Disney Channel, I, I don't know if you remember, but they aired a series of concerts in Oh yeah.
1: Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, Britney uh-huh. Spears. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There was one, I think one was called Disney Channel in Concert and then there was a different series called uh Disney Coming Home or Disney Almost Home or something like that that was a concert uh series. And then Weird Al also had uh, a, spe- a concert special on Disney Channel that was itself kind of a parody of or an answer to the Disney Channel concert series. And his was called There's No Going Home. So it was kind oh, of wow. an answer to those other titles. And so all of that I would love to see on there. There's also a Disney Mania concert specifically that was filmed in Disney California Adventure hosted by Raven Simone. Uh, and it was just all the Disney mania songs at that time being performed in the park. So like things like that, I would love to
1: see. Yeah. And mind you're just furthering her case to be a Disney legend apparently. Cause I know how fervently you feel about that.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it needs to happen. You know, she was there at D 23 expo this year, participating in all kinds of panels, but not the legend ceremony. So we
1: need that to happen. Oh yeah. I I have, I had some hot takes about the legends, but that was for an episode a few months ago. Um, <laughs> And some that are just not arable. Um, yeah, I also thought a bunch of the wonderful world of Disney films that you briefly mentioned. A few of them, um, so from the late '90s, like uh, and early 2000s, my date with the president's daughter with Will Friedel from Boy Meets yeah. World <laughs> and Dabney Coleman. Yeah. yeah. Life size with Lindsay
0: Lohan. Yeah, go ahead. That's right. Well, and I was going to say Will Friedle is, is so much in the in the news right now or in the zeitgeist. And so is Lindsay Lohan because she's making a comeback with, a, I think, a Christmas movie this year. Will Friedle, of course, uh, has the new uh, Pod Meets World podcast all about Boy Meets World. And that show is generating headlines like with every episode because they're very sort of um, frank- and candid uh, in their recollections of that series. But all that to say, for those reasons, now would be the perfect time to bring both of those movies to
1: Disney Plus. There you go, there you go. Any other uh, legacy content that you feel like should be in the mix?
0: Yeah, there are a few just one-off movies. Uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes has always been a personal favorite of mine. It's a great example of the that era of Disney in the 1980s where they were doing some more experimental live-action filmmaking. They were doing a lot of sort of darker, um, darker types of stories. And uh, that one's very spooky and eerie and dark. And I'd love to see it added. Uh, on the Fox front, because of course, Disney has now acquired Fox, Uh, There is a Julie Andrews musical from 1968 called Star. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say I've not actually seen it. I think it's a very lengthy, like three hour plus uh, movie that was not well received at the time. uh, But that Julie Andrews has always spoken of as one of her personal favorites in her filmography. And it has since developed a cult following over the years. And the reason I bring this up is that... uh, apparently for some years that this movie's fan following has been under the impression that Julie Andrews had recorded an audio commentary for Star in anticipation uh, of it being released on Disney Plus, that, you know, Disney Plus had supposedly gone in and done a restoration of this film, or maybe Fox had started the restoration and then when it was acquired, Disney had this audio commentary and they were going to put it up. And as as you know, Brett, recently I had the opportunity to interview Julie Andrews, and so I took uh, the opportunity to ask her about this and she confirmed that yes she recorded this audio commentary uh, which is just like it's maddening like if this exists and Julie Andrews has recorded uh, an audio commentary going back a couple of years now and Disney is just sitting on that why is it not on Disney plus
1: yeah that that is kind of maddening and uh, obviously everybody's jealous of you uh, for having had that opportunity <laughs> Name dropping? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, no, it it makes clear sense to, um, to kind of leverage that, um, particularly while you know while she's with us as as well, and to be able to appreciate that. Um, it it makes me think. Kind of unrelated, but th- there's so many different ventures that I know Disney has engaged in, but not publicly released. Like when I interviewed the composer Bruce Brown a few years ago, he was saying, um, you know, he had recorded all of these. Um, Disney was developing this this really extensive album of all of his work across you know the parks and films, and they still haven't released it, and and that's maddening as well. And there's no clear answer why it's. I mean, if it's already mostly done, why is it not released digitally? So, I mean, kind of akin to what you're saying, if if the infrastructure is there, why not? <laughs> Uh, leverage that. So, yeah, and you
0: said it digitally. I mean, in in this age, why not? The barrier to entry to getting something like that on the market and available to fans is very low. And We're not talking about a large cost proposition, particularly if it's already developed and produced. So, yeah, sometimes these things are head scratchers, and you almost wonder if they just kind of get lost in the bureaucracy of Disney. Uh, but uh, yeah, I hope I hope we see some of these things and, and bonus features in general. You know, speaking of the audio commentary, when you think back 15, 20 years ago, the heyday of DVD, every release, even fairly minor releases, tended to be accompanied by a pretty hefty uh, library of bonus features, uh, featurettes, full-length documentaries, audio commentaries, archival footage, deleted scenes, etc., And these days we get some of that occasionally uh, with a new release, but even with older titles that something like snow white and the seven dwarfs. Okay. So it had a two disc platinum edition DVD and subsequent re-releases that was filled with like hours and hours and hours of bonus content. And when you go to snow white and the seven dwarfs on Disney plus now, there are maybe four or five bonus features and they're they're of the shortest variety four or five minutes each Uh, in particular there's a wonderful Angela Lansbury hosted feature-length documentary about Snow White that was on that DVD and had aired on television at the time too nowhere to be found on Disney plus so while we're talking about sort of catalog content that they could bring to the forefront I think even just within the realm of their bonus features there's so much there that they could mine.
1: Oh yeah. I've, I've had that conversation time with my partner. It's just, it's, it's endlessly frustrating and it's the pr- primary reason why I still hold on to a lot of my physical media on um, the, the DVDs and Blu-ray, because I know that what's on Disney plus is far from exhaustive and, and it, and it makes absolutely no sense. Why? Cause it's not like it's a, a size limit, so to speak, right. That they just don't have the capacity. Um, it, yeah. And it's so inconsistent too, across all, all different releases, whether it's, you know, a Toy Story versus, I don't know, Planes Fire and Rescue. I mean, there's such inconsistencies in terms of how much b- bonus material you'll find for anything. Like some, it's a simple trailer. Other things, you'll actually see four different audio commentaries. Like some of the more recent big blockbusters, you will find like two, sometimes two or, or three audio commentaries.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's good for the fandom to make those things available, or good for the company's legacy, I should say. I think so often fandom is born in the details, and so you can see someone who has maybe a, a passing interest or a nostalgic fondness for something like Snow White or the films from their childhood and then if they have the opportunity to browse Disney Plus and suddenly find themselves watching an hour-long documentary on the history of the movie, like you can see how that would start to spark a flame of fandom. And I think that is what happened for the you know over those 20 years when we saw the size of the Disney fandom and the 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 um the volume, the prominence of the Disney fandom really balloon. I think a lot of it was fueled by that, uh, that abundance of content that was available to kind of inflame the passions of the fans. And so it's, I think it's bad for the company that they don't make those things available.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, I'll also add just a couple of other uh, content things and then maybe we proceed unless there's additional things. Uh, The Indiana Jones films. I know that's under paramount, but technically, but it's Lucasfilm. So I think it would bode well if they can see a way to make that happen, especially leading up to, you know, Jones 5 next summer.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that would be such a major get for Disney+. Plus. I feel like that would even drive new subscribers because there'd be so much excitement around that. I'd love to see that happen. Uh, and on speaking of Lucasfilm, <laughs> we may never see this, but I would love to see the original unedited Star Wars releases, like the 1977 version of A New Hope, Before the 1997 special editions, before George Lucas uh, did anything with CGI, I'd love to have those available. And then even the 1997 George Lucas versions as an option would be nice to have, too, because, of course, as we know, Lucasfilm later and then even since then, Disney themselves have gone in on a number of occasions and sort of made small tweaks and meddled with things. Uh, and and that's all well and good as long as the fandom has access to the earlier versions and especially the original version and again that's something that can be accomplished very easily in the digital environment and so i'd love to see that happen
1: yeah yeah for sure well uh, one other uh, item i'll mention it's not it's probably not going to happen just based on rights sony with muppets take manhattan yeah there's a few of those muppet films that aren't Technically, under the Disney fold because of the original distribution, but that's one that I I would welcome seeing on there. Yeah. And, you know,
0: I think if I wish the Walt Disney Company cared more about the Muppets than they seem to, because I feel like they could go after those properties and just purchase them Uh, or or do something like Bob Iger did to get a hold of Oswald, Uh, you know, make some strategic trades. Uh, And I think it it would be so valuable to the company. Uh, And to their shepherding of the Muppet brand, were they inclined to shepherd it, and they clearly are not, uh, it would be so valuable to that uh, goal um, to have all of the content, or at least the major films in the Muppet library, all under one roof. Uh, And again, I think it could happen, there's just not the will in the current Disney administration for that to happen.
1: You no, know, it's oh uh, gosh, story of my life and Disney not caring enough about the Muppets. I'm like, I care more about the Muppets than I care about Star Wars and Marvel, and I really enjoy those those brands. But uh, same. So uh, transitioning to what type of new programming should be offered? So whether that be in terms of topically specific ideas for series series or films, what you know we, we're continuing to see obviously uh, a mix of um, dramas and comedies associated with Marvel, Star Wars, um, original reality competition shows. I know there's going to be like Best in Snow this December. So I mean, there's like all like a whole plethora of different original programming. Some that's historical uh, in nature. So that the new Dick, uh, the new Mickey Mouse documentary. There, I mean, there's such a, a variety. But needless to say, we always want more, and we always want stuff that we don't already see on the platform. How did you make sense of this broad topic, Aaron?
0: Gosh, so much comes to mind. And a lot of it is uh, others would probably say is fairly random in nature, but it would it would make my heart sing. I would love to see a Golden Girls animated series. (laughs) Uh, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would light up Disney Plus the day that it dropped. People would flock to watch it. Uh, So that would make me very happy. Uh, I was thinking, you know, Angela Lansbury, I mentioned her earlier, we just lost her, of course. And. I was thinking it would be so nice if when something like that happens, when a Disney legend who's so culturally important passes away, if one could go to Disney Plus and at the very least find some sort of a collection of her Disney works there on the home screen, sort of in tribute to her. And even beyond that, I would love to see the company produced like a retrospective documentary about angela lansbury with an emphasis on her contributions to uh, the disney company and her her legacy as a disney legend uh and maybe bring that to the homepage of disney plus you know give them a few months to develop something like that but uh, they did something along those lines when chadwick boseman passed right away. Uh, I think it was essentially an ABC special that they just kind of ported over and put on Disney Plus. And I noticed, by the way, that that has disappeared from Disney Plus, which I thought was odd that they would take that down, uh, particularly with uh, the new Black Panther movie coming out. But uh, yeah, so tribute content like that, I'd like to see.
1: Yeah, um, along those lines, actually, one of the one of the items I had was a Disney Legends special um, just mm-hmm. to k- kind of honor, uh, well, I might have different opinions of who is a legend versus others. But you know, there's been what more than hasn't it been at least 250 over the past 35 years? It's been very extensive. Um, so I wonder if there could be a special that maybe uh perhaps there could be multiple specials commemorating folks across the different areas of the legends, right? Like a tribute to those who are honored in animation or those who are honored uh with parks and resorts, etc. Et I mean, that could be lend itself to a series where you commemorate folks. And I like your Angela Lansbury example, of course. Yeah,
0: totally. And in general, I would love to see Disney take the opportunity of Disney plus to educate and train and introduce new audiences to the very rich legacy that is so important to their bottom line business. I mean, the depth of their catalog, the richness of that catalog, the power of nostalgia, that is what has fueled the Disney company in a way that no other studio has had quite the same fuel. And you were at sort of a, a generational crossroads, perhaps. I mean, maybe you could argue we aren't, but it seems to me that perhaps we are where as new generations come aboard in this... Uh, much more highly striated, um, more voluminous multimedia environment where a lot of the what we perhaps generationally considered a classic and generations before us considered a classic, that the whole notion of a classic can begin to become lost. And it, and it, it seems to me that that could be detrimental to Disney's brand value long-term. And so I would love to see them uh, drive people to these back catalog titles, educate them about Disney history. And they could do that in the form of these kinds of specials that we're talking about. And they could even just highlight like a title of the month. like This month, we're going to put Summer Magic up on the the homepage and and sort of encourage families to have a family night where they sit down and watch this title and and maybe even have some uh, like an introduction from a Disney legend to kind of bring people into what the legacy of this movie is. Uh, I think there's a missed opportunity there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that seems uh, that parallels a concept that was executed years ago when there was the vault Disney block on Disney channel, where there were Disney legends like an Angela Lansbury who provided an introduction to bed knobs and broomsticks. And I think it's on YouTube because that's how I came across it. So they've orchestrated this in the past. So per your point, why could this not be implemented? I imagine in this era, particularly with, you know, zoom and like you know zoom a disney legend like for you know just you don't even have to bring a whole film crew like you could just zoom them in for you know a few minutes and record that and, and plot that in front of uh film per what you're saying I, I, it seems so reasonable and it's self congratulatory which disney loves anyways so why not capitalize on kind of giving yourself a pat on the back
0: Totally. It's easier than ever to do something like that. Now, to your point, Zoom is available. We have whole Disney sing-along specials that were filmed entirely on Zoom that are still on Disney Plus. So why not? Speaking of sing-alongs, by the way, going back to the previous topic, all those 1990s sing-along VHSs, those should be on Disney Plus too. Uh, But speaking of bed knobs and broomsticks, another idea that I have or something I'd like to see along these lines of new types of content, you know, ben Nobs and Room Six just had a stage musical that toured uh, Europe, and uh, it's not running anymore. I hope that we see it brought uh, transferred to Broadway. But a filming of that stage production, much like Disney did with Hamilton, uh, I'd love to see that added to Disney Plus, and perhaps that could be the start of a whole series where Disney goes, you know, films either current productions of Broadway shows, or if there's a competitive concern there. Uh, go to shows that aren't running anymore stage the little mermaid for a one-off special <laughs> not not in the not in the way that like abc's planning to do right but uh, the actual broadway musical capture it in the way that they captured hamilton and and give us more content like that
1: yeah and it's funny you say that because i know a few years ago they filmed aladdin on the west end and the notion was that it was going to be released as a disney plus special that has not materialized and that was announced probably in the first year of Disney Plus. And I don't know whatever happened to that.
0: Wow. I don't think I realized that they had announced that, but that would be amazing if they would bring that to Disney Plus.
1: Yeah. I mean it wasn't it was you know part of an article, but it was very clear that it it was filmed and presumably ready to go. I mean I even remember seeing something like December 2020 it will be released. Well that that has passed. So yeah. kind of curious. Um huh. and and I like that your idea of filming the concerts, um, or uh, filming the um, productions, but also, um, you know, there are occasional like Disney concerts, right? Like, the, you know, you were just telling me about the Disney princess concert, right? Like why not view that as something that you can leverage, you know, particularly after the tour is complete. So then more folks have access to that.
0: Yeah, and there are so many opportunities to film those kinds of things. And we've seen some of that. They did the Coco concert uh, at the Hollywood Bowl, what, a year or two ago, I think. And they filmed that uh, as a as a Dio de las Muertas special on Disney+. Plus. I think we have, um, along those same lines, a concert uh, special coming up from Encanto. Uh, but there are so many of these Disney concerts that are done at the Holy, Hollywood Bowl alone, let alone things like the Disney Princess concert, which tours the country. So, so many opportunities. And yeah, I would think that these things would bring eyeballs to the screen and in the hyper-competitive streaming wars, that's supposedly what it's all about, right? So again, head scratchers of missed opportunities here.
1: Yeah, um, a few others that I, I have on my list. I would love to see an extension of the One Day at Disney shorts that premiered with this platform. Uh, at the time, I think it was like, you know, 50 or so of them. And it'd be wonderful to see that continue in some fashion. I think obviously that requires a lot of time and editing, but I think that was a a, a true gift um, because we would get one of those a week for the first year of the streaming service. Um, so it's not necessarily new programming, but something to be extended. I'd love to see more specials around the Muppets I have on my list. So like Let's get another Muppets Haunted Mansion. If not that, then you know Muppets celebrate Valentine's Day. Who? I mean, Gonzo and Camilla just have a, a fun outing. I, I don't know, just <laughs> something.
0: There's so much they could do. Every holiday should have uh, a Muppet special. Every classic work of literature should have a Muppet's adaptation. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And even just within the realm of the Disney parks, because of course the Muppets bizarrely are now a subset of Walt Disney Imagineering Just as a property uh, which makes very little sense but i guess the the muppets haunted mansion came of that so it's not all bad but uh we could get a muppets pirates of the caribbean or a muppets
1: it's a small world and and so on and so forth oh i love that i mean and it was a huge it it seemed like it was a pretty big hit like it's it's so curious that a year after that nothing has been announced along those lines certainly we're getting that new uh muppets mayhem show in 2023 but that's the only original Muppets related content that I've heard of. So, uh, you know, we've talked about missed opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We need more Muppets for sure. I don't, speaking of those theme park attractions, I'd also love to see uh, more Disney attractions captured on film. And this could take the form of things that attractions that are themselves movies like Captain EO. Don't know why Captain Neo is not on Disney Plus. I feel that it should be. I mean, I guess there's the Michael Jackson consideration that might keep that particular film off, but there are other examples. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience uh, would be a great one uh, that I would love to see uh, presented on Disney Plus, make it streamable. There was also, I don't know if you remember the Disney Now app. It might even still exist. It was like the app version of the Disney Channel and they had some very high quality filmings of a few Disney attractions. fantastic at Disneyland was there, Rivers of Light from Animal Kingdom. Uh, I don't believe that those are on Disney Plus, but I would love to see more things like
1: that uh, added. Yeah, that would be really cool. And kind of a segue, because I feel like we're continuing to do like this ping pong of sorts in terms of ideas that, that bounce off of one another. Yeah. I have a whole a notion of why not, have a whole travel series around Disney's international theme parks outside of the U.S., right, where someone from, I mean, it's, it's a kind of an um, ethnocentric idea, but someone from the States just going around to Paris and Tokyo and Hong Kong and Shanghai and taking in all of these distinct elements of, of Disney. Certainly, there's all those old travel channel specials and even in more recent series like Imagineering Story or um or one day at disney we get a glimpse into some of the international parks but why not use that as a as a platform for exposure it helps probably marketing and uh for us aficionados it gives us greater perspective into the nuances associated with uh walking around tokyo disney sea for instance
0: yeah i love that uh you mentioned the travel channel and as you were beginning to describe that uh, concept, I was thinking of Samantha Brown's old Disney Travel Channel specials, uh, which I think for so many of us were sort of like the bread and butter of, of holding on to the Disney park experience uh, back in those days in between trips. Uh, and I don't know what Samantha Brown is doing these days, but maybe they could recruit her
1: oh yeah and she's had that you know partnership with the company in different ways like I remember she was she would make appearances on the Christmas Day parade and talk about like oh I'm in such and such park or whatever that would be great Um,
0: yeah and as we're talking I'm now going to add Samantha Brown to my list of people who I want to see become a Disney legend Uh, even though she's done very little with the company proper uh, that's okay in my book yeah hashtag Samantha Brown for Disney legend
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I would vouch for that yeah let's see that uh do you have any other ideas under original programming that you want to highlight before we transition yeah
0: just uh just a couple uh the oscars you know every year uh disney is trying to or uh, abc rather in the academy i guess they're trying to figure out how to save the oscars from their ever declining ratings and there's always this talk of put it on netflix put it on netflix and i agree with that in theory but i say put it on disney plus because there's a very close association between the oscars and uh and ABC. ABC has been the network home for the Academy Awards for many, many years, Uh, maybe always, I'm not sure. So I say uh, live stream the Oscars on Disney Plus, whether or not it is also airing live on ABC, you could still have it on Disney Plus. And I'd love to see archival Oscars or even Oscars highlights clips, Uh, uh, make it sort of a Disney branded uh, presentation and put that on Disney Plus
1: could be complemented by a highlights reel of all the Disney songs and scores that should have won instead of the ones that actually won.
0: Yes yes absolutely. Uh, I also have um, music on my list because you know there was uh, the Disney Life was the platform that was the precursor for Disney plus. Of course it was a UK exclusive for a period of five years before the launch of Disney plus and it was very much a trial run. Uh, Disney plus is similar to Disney life in a number of ways. But one thing that Disney life offered was a streaming music library. So you had you could stream select soundtracks and Disney parks, audio, etc. And there's not really a counterpart to that on Disney plus. Uh, And of course, It might create complications because Disney has uh, deals in place with Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera. But there's also a lot of Disney music content as we've already mentioned that is not uh, on those platforms that perhaps could live on Disney Plus. Uh, And along those same lines, music videos as well. The Disney company has produced all kinds of music videos whether promotional for their films or DVDs or uh, music videos that aired on the Disney channel back in the day. And I'd love to see a whole portal of Disney music videos added.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting, and I think also too. I mean, we see some of those occasionally as bonus features, but uh, what associated with um, with specific releases. But yeah, it'd be nice for those to be cataloged. I, I like that. Yeah, and my
0: last thing was uh, some sort of a gameplay element. Uh, you know, Netflix recently launched a trivia show where you sort of using a remote control can answer the trivia questions, and it's very popular. I, I understand. Uh, Disney could do something like that, an original trivia game, or me being the uh, eternal nostalgic that I am, I would love to see something like Who Wants to Be a Billionaire? Do you remember this?
1: Was that the one on... Uh, was that the... Oh, gosh, was that the Lion King one and a half release? Or I remember there was with Lion King one and a half, there was like Meredith Vieira and Timon and Pumbaa or something, but what's, who wants to be a billionaire?
0: I think I remember that too, yeah. But uh, who wants to be a billionaire was uh, an online game, sort of like a very simple video game where you would go to disney.go.com during the Halloween season only, but it was several Halloweens in a row. And it was a fully animated interactive game show where it was who wants to be a millionaire, but it was hosted by a Disney villain. And as you would progress, it would be a different villain villain in each round and all of the trivia questions were villain related uh, and it was so fun and like if you got a question wrong the villain would sort of like axe you in a way that was true to their character. Uh, it was super fun. I'm sure it was like very early 2000s uh, and probably dated by today's standards but still I would love to see something like that brought to Disney+. Plus.
1: That's awesome. I, I have never heard of that. That's really cool. And then along those lines, um, well, I guess we're talking about new programming as opposed to antiquated programming. It'd be great to see old millionaire episodes um, because that's obviously been in the Disney family, but it'd be, it would be cool. As you are talking, it made me think, could there not be just a, um, I guess it's kind of an extension of what you're saying, but a a Disney trivia game show um, like where you have like the absolute uh, biggest Disney nerds compete and, and challenges. I know they had like, uh, was it the summer quest with some of the Disney Channel stars going around Epcot? And that wasn't really trivia, but it was this notion of like, oh, it's Disney and it's games. No, let's like see like who actually knows the true like number of Mickey Mouse shorts that he starred in or I don't know this fun stuff
0: totally but then as i hear you describe that it occurs to me that that ground is already pretty well covered like between your show and the mad chatters i feel like the podcasting universe and your two shows in particular are doing such a good job of filling that void already like i don't even know if whatever disney plus would produce would be as fun or as satisfying to quote unquote the true fans as what you all already do
1: oh it's funny yeah i mean i i I always say there's never enough trivia but yeah uh, a few other things that I just want to highlight. Um, it'd be great to see a cooking show based on treats from the Disney theme parks. Ooh. There, ha- there have been some cooking competitions. There's Foodtastic with Kiki Palmer, which was from a, a year or so ago, where it's like just awesome uh, food creations that are reflective of different films. And and there was like the BR Guest or uh, BR Chef series which was very childish in nature. But I'd love to see a show that's really just focused around people trying to to replicate um, like uh, some of the insanely uh, creative treats from the parks. That would be fun.
0: That would be so fun. And like, every, you know, each episode could be a different iconic Disney treat. That would be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Anyways, um, also I'd love to see a documentary, particularly in light of her passing, Mark and Alice Davis. Um, just mm. kind of a kind of a love story and history of all of their contributions to the company. I think that would be really touching. And I, I just want to see more nonfiction content about Disney history more broadly. But I think that's one that is perhaps a more concrete example.
0: Absolutely. I mean, give us an Imagineering story season two where it's about the actual Imagineers and each episode is a different sort of biography. I would love that.
1: There you go. Anything else under new programming or shall we shift into some other topics? Let's shift. Okay. Live programming. That was just a general broad category that I wanted to surface because we've seen Disney experiment with that more recently. We have Dancing with the Stars on a weekly basis, migrating from ABC, Uh, Harmonious Live, um, which was kind of a big sensation, even though was it truly live? No, but let's still call it that. So live and air quotes. Um, what are your thoughts on on Disney's kind of shift and in, in playing around with that, and and what some opportunities might exist around incorporating live programming?
0: Yeah, I'd love to see more of that, and I enjoy the the few examples that currently exist that you mentioned. I didn't have a lot uh, under this category, and I've kind of already touched on some of them: the the Oscars live stream uh, and. Um, you know, something else I would love to see is the view. You know I love ABC's The View. And in addition to being able to watch back catalogs, I'm always frustrated that I have to um, wait because i don't I'm not a cable uh, subscriber anymore, so I have to wait till the next day or sometimes I'll have it that evening to watch that day's view broadcast because Hulu doesn't stream it live, and I would love if I could go to Disney Plus and click on a whole view tile. And in addition to the back catalog, see the day's episode live.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I mean, I'm still kind of stuck in 2006 land where when Rosie was on, but that's okay. <laughs> the first it's, time, the first time.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Rosie, if only the Rosie O'Donnell show were a Disney show, I, I would pine for that to be added, but that's neither
1: here nor there. No, but I must admit, being a, a Rosie fan, I was watching an interview uh, with her the other day from like 97 when the Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella cast was on. Rosie, I was watching that on YouTube, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I'd love to see some New York, uh, New Year's Eve fireworks uh, extravaganzas being streamed. That would be really fun.
0: That's a perfect idea. Yeah, because so many of the TV networks do some sort of a live uh, New Year's fireworks broadcast. So why not have that on a streaming platform? And I think that's something that to my knowledge, Netflix isn't currently doing. So it would be a way for Disney to kind of one up their competitor with something fireworks that is, uh, you know, kind of part of the a flagship of the brand.
1: Yeah. I mean, more, more live parks programming. Uh, I also thought Aaron festival of the arts at Epcot, right. They have the Broadway series. Yeah. Why not stream that people would eat that up. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, things like that, I feel like uh, would really help to guard against the, pattern that some consumers have of subscribing for a month at a time, binging a bunch of content and then canceling for three months and then coming back. I know that that's a problem that all streamers face and are trying to look for ways to solve that. But if you keep serving up live content where it's day and date and like the old days of cable, if you aren't there on your couch at the time, you're going to miss it. I feel like that would help really keep people glued to their active subscriptions.
1: Yeah, it's I'm glad they're kind of testing the waters here, but I'd love to see more of it because it it really makes it feel like an event. Like I was watching some of the D23 Expo stuff uh, live on YouTube because I wasn't there in person. And it felt like an event, right? If I wasn't there, I wasn't going to see certain um, experiences. So I think they should capitalize on that. Totally. Shifting over to tech and organization features of Disney Plus, this is kind of a uh, kind of an assortment of different elements that we feel like could be incorporated into the platform to make it better, more enjoyable, or easier to access a whole plethora of things. What, what uh, materialized for you when, when I mentioned this as a, as a topical point?
0: Well, the the first item on my list will come. No surprise to either you or uh, our listeners because it's been a running theme so far. But I would like to see the Muppets better promoted on the homepage of Disney+. And specifically, I want them to be one of the main portals. So you have, I think, five tiles right now. You've got Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Nat Geo, and Pixar, I think, are the five. And I want the Muppets to be number six. And I get that currently, yes, they are categorized under Imagineering, which I guess qualifies them as part of the Disney tile. But again, that brand is, in my view, as valuable as the Pixar brand. Maybe you couldn't justify that in terms of like box office receipts, but I think in terms of like cultural love, um, the Muppet are again, just underutilized, underrecognized, and perhaps a, a little bit of uh, um, risk of death. <laughs> Because as we have this cultural or these generational shifts, I don't know that the Muppets um, are guaranteed to maintain relevance uh, into the next 20, 30 years. But a way to do that would be for Disney to make use of this very valuable acquisition and promote it with the platform that they have available. They have a sitting audience of like tens of millions of people around the world. Induce a love for the Muppets using Disney Plus. That's what I want to see.
1: And there is enough content, right? You know, they had the the revival of Muppet babies and that introduced the Muppets to some little kiddos. So hopefully those kiddos crave uh, Muppets content as they get older too.
0: Yeah, totally. What do you have, oh, Brett?
1: Yeah, oh, I have a, mind you, I, I had not, I did not put a Muppets tile, but I did put a 20th Century Studios tile just because yeah. some of those, Different properties are so ridiculously hard to find on the platform unless you know exactly what exists on there, right? Like Anastasia is on Disney Plus, but would you ordinarily know that? Probably not, because it's not going to be under one of the collections. It's not going to be under one of the existing tiles, but that 1997 animated film has been on Disney Plus. So I think it'd be nice for them to capture uh, the variety of different. properties and films um even some animated like some that um oh well, i guess it's under marvel but there's you know this old x-men series um under 20th century but it'd just be nice to have all that in one spot
0: yeah agreed i actually had this on my list as well i think it would be nice to even be able to browse all of the acquired titles that you know as opposed to disney branded or disney originated content um and and fox especially it's very strange to me that Disney, on the one hand, seems so eager to recognize Nat Geo as distinct brand Pixar is a distinct brand as we just mentioned and yet when it comes to Fox there isn't that same eagerness they almost want you to kind of forget that Fox is a brand name and they just cherry pick a few titles that they're going to treat as Disney namely Sound of Music Miracle on 34th Street Home Alone Uh, and then everything else we're just going to bury deep into the catalog or not even feature on Disney Plus and yeah there's no there's no Fox tile there's very little mention if any of the Fox branding and a lot of the Fox catalog including a number of family films musicals from you know the 40s 50s 60s uh, are just not on offer on disney plus strangely
1: yeah and also what's inconsistent about all that and i wonder if it's a contractual matter the simpsons always has is one of the banners it's always like the last banner in the circuit so i wonder and i know obviously that's one of the most streamed titles on the service but it's it's curious to see that always have a placement as one of the banners and yet, and, you know, occasionally you'll see a, a different, like um, other Fox properties occasionally appear there. Like I remember when uh, some of the X-Men stuff debuted, but it is very, um, very inconsistent to say the least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, there was some reporting uh, maybe a couple years back that, the Simpsons was like by far the most watched thing on Disney plus, which is kind of shocking. Uh, but then all, at the same time, not because clearly it's an extremely popular uh, franchise and had its own streaming platform there for a while. Uh, that was itself immensely popular. Uh, and, but yeah, I, I I imagine we'll probably always see Simpsons have that permanent spot up there at the top, but yeah, I'd love to see some of these other things brought in. And in general, the collections feature of Disney plus I think could be a lot more robust. Uh, I would like to see a collection of Disney parks content so I can on my list. Yeah. Yeah. To have it all in one place because right now you have to kind of like remember like, Oh, what's all of the Disney parks content so that you can go search for it individually. I'd like to have a Disney history uh, tile. And frankly I would get very granular. I mean, I would like a tile that's like or a collection of like series where, raven simone has been featured but not starring and not in a starring role like i want very specific collections um and also i think that collections should come up in the search results because right now if i search for disney holidays titles will come up but there is a collection for that but that collection won't come up in the search results so that's kind of a technical thing that i think um should be
1: changed I also wonder too you know certainly there's the watch list and any streaming service has something like that i wonder if um well kind of akin to uh was it amazon prime um is it amazon prime where you can actually sort it based on tv series versus films in terms of it's Mm. what's in your watch list but i wonder if that could be um a feature i also wonder in light of what you were just saying aaron could there not be the functionality for folks to create their own collections basically to sort stuff out based on categories, right? So like I'm creating like, you know, I, I mean I, I'm just viewing this like almost like Google Docs or folders. Like, okay, I'm going to create a collection of Raven Simone and you know non-starring roles. And then you just, you know, do a search, click a title t- title, and then there would be like a little option, um, kind of like even with YouTube, right? Where you can just put stuff in, in certain um you know, uh, folders or or channels, et cetera. So I, I, I feel like there could be the functionality for that. And I think that would serve the consumer really well too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like I can make a playlist on Apple Music or on Spotify, what if I can make a playlist or a collection of titles on Disney Plus? I think that's something that even uh, Netflix, to my knowledge, doesn't currently offer. So there again, a way for Disney to uh, differentiate itself. I'm glad you mentioned the watch list, uh, because this is an area where there was a real need for improvement at launch. And we've seen Disney Plus make some improvement, I think not yet enough. Uh, But when the when the platform launched, the watch list was limited to only 30 titles at a time. Uh, And I know that was a source of frustration for myself and many others. It was a common complaint on social media. So that if you wanted to, on day one, queue up 50 things that you wanted to watch, you couldn't do that. Uh, We have since seen Disney increase the number of titles on the watch list. And I was reading today, uh, it sounds like the number that is available to you depends on how you're accessing Disney Plus. So different combinations of like device and operating system, et cetera, um, will produce a range of anywhere from still thirty in some cases up to hundred. I think is the most. And I just tested it on mine. I'm watching on an Apple TV, and I can add a hundred titles to my watch list. So that's a lot better. That's that's somewhat manageable. But compare that to Netflix. Where that range is apparently 400 to 2000. So, depending on where you're watching Netflix, you may be able to add as many as 2000 titles to your watch list. Uh, And I know that just speaking for myself, there's a lot more than 100 uh, titles on Disney Plus that I want to kind of remind myself of at any given time. Uh, So, I'd like to see them continue to expand that.
1: That's, I I love the notion behind that. I also kind of, uh, in, in thinking about this, was gleaning inspiration from. Uh, Features I like from other platforms. So, Amazon Prime has the x ray function when you pause and you can see the names of the actors and their character names in the scene, Mm -hmm. which I feel like would be super beneficial um, on really any service. And and certainly with Disney Plus, it would be a great mechanism to, I mean, even orient. The unacquainted viewer children to like names of actors mm-hmm. and actresses. I think that would be beneficial. And in concert with that, I would love, you know, currently on Disney Plus, um, under when you click a title, you know, it'll have where you can, you know, play the film. But then there's also a function where it shows like the synopsis and then there's like a little list on the side that shows the cast. I would love for it to be where you can scroll over each individual actor and it would show other. Uh, performances that they're in that are on the platform I mean other streaming services and other platforms have that where you can see like oh here are all the titles featuring Lindsay Lohan um, in the Disney world like it, it seems like that'd be so straightforward and, and easy from just a uh, from an it seems like it'd be easy from an IT standpoint I'm like okay it, they're tagged well you know you highlight it it shows all of the Lindsay Lohan pieces of work
0: yeah. And sometimes I wonder if some of this is Disney being perhaps too mindful of children as part of their audience. And so there's maybe a reach for simplicity that is unnecessary uh, because I I do really enjoy that feature that you mentioned on Amazon Prime and I, I use it often. And I'd love to have something like that. And to your point, from an IT standpoint, these things have to be fairly easily implementable uh, and that leads me to conclude that perhaps there's just a, a strategic decision on Disney's part to not offer some of these things, perhaps for the sake of simplicity. But there, I would say, you know, trust your audience and um, and give your audience a little bit more education and opportunity uh, to explore and, and good fruit will come from that.
1: Yeah, uh, a couple of other things I want to highlight. I, I would love for as a consumer to be able to rate individual episodes or series or specials or movies that I watch. So then I can have like almost a record on my end. And maybe it's not the watch list. Maybe it's a, another tab where I can kind of rate what are my favorite pieces of content, like on a one to five scale. I mean, th- this has existed for years in terms of, you know, uh so many different websites where you can just easily do that, that would be easily implemented. And it would be a way to Uh, way to rate stuff that um, I I just I just love rating things so why not bring that into the platform
0: absolutely there's like a a gameplay element there that's fun for the consumer but then also I would think that uh, from a data collection standpoint that would be so valuable to Disney and it's almost surprising that they don't do more of that in the JPEG era where you know he's obsessed with consumer data Uh, I have heard it said that Netflix, though it presents itself to the public as a content creation company, it is fundamentally uh, an IT company. It's a data collection algorithm oriented business model. Uh, where their sort of strongest asset and their and their number one enterprise is collecting data on consumer preference, um, and they do that through the rating of content, through user preference surveys, through the thumbs up, thumbs down feature in the library. So yeah, now that you mentioned, I had not thought of this, but it's very surprising that there isn't a, a stronger element of that on Disney Plus,
1: because Amazon Prime has that, and it's yeah. very clearly you know illustrated. It could even be where it's personal. If Disney doesn't want it released publicly, that Chicken Little is one of their least rated animated features. They can just have it limited to the consumer so that they just see among their own ratings and not necessarily the, the broad uh, public. So, <laughs> Yeah,
0: though in that case, uh, I have a feeling they already know. <laughs> yeah, they should. They should.
1: Um, the last thing I, I mentioned uh, is the ability to download bonus features on your tablet or phone. Ooh. So that's my biggest frustration where I would love to download like the audio commentary version of a film as I'm traveling, but I can't, it does not enable me to do that, at least not on the devices that I have. And I assume presumably not others, but like there was a, a an hour and a half long West Side Story documentary attached to the new 2021 release, but I could not download that for my travels because it was listed as a bonus feature. So I think that would be something that they could easily do.
0: That's a great point because it is arbitrary in some cases what gets categorized as a bonus feature and what is presented as its own offering. For example, there was the recent reunion of the uh, Cinderella 97 cast, and that could easily easily be categorized as a bonus feature. Uh, it's not, and so in this case, I guess you can download that, but had they filed it as a bonus feature, you wouldn't be able to. So yeah, it's a strange
1: distinction. Yeah, it's funny to think about. Was there anything else that made your list as far as
0: additional items? Yeah, yeah. I, I well, two things. One is just kind of silly, but uh, when you you know you pick your avatar, your little animated character who represents your profile, I just wish there was more of a deep cut library. Like, I want my avatar to be like Doctor Marsh from Dinosaur and Animal Kingdom. Just, you know, a, a larger library would be nice. But my my more serious item here is uh, just better notification or um, a system of alerting users to what is coming and going from the platform. You see Netflix do this, like when a, when a title is going to disappear in 90 days, that information appears on the title screen. Uh, and likewise, Netflix is very good at alerting you to when a series that you're following has a new episode that's aired. And it's not that it's all that difficult to find uh, these pieces of information, but it would just be nice if Disney would kind of service the user by bringing that information to the forefront or or making it very easily accessible.
1: Yeah, I concur with that. That would be super helpful. Like people didn't know that Avatar was being pulled until leading up to the re-release. And I know some people were quite frustrated with that. So yeah, that'd be helpful. Yeah, great example. Let's end with bigger picture branding. Disney strategies. That's the amalgamation of words that I uh, came up with based on what you said you wanted to conclude us uh, in talking about. So, how about you lead us off in thinking about that?
0: Yeah. And we've already kind of touched on some of what I was uh, thinking here as, as we've talked, which is good. Uh, there are kind of two points here that I'd still like to make that we haven't really touched on. The first uh, is the subject of budget. When Disney Plus was launching and in the lead up to the launch, Bob Iger was really intentional uh, in stressing that original movies and original content for Disney Plus would be given the same budget, the same treatment, the same fanfare as a theatrical release. And I think in the earliest days of Disney Plus original content, that was true. Uh, But to my eye, at least, and we have limited uh, objective information on this because Disney, like the other streaming platforms, doesn't make uh, production and Quote unquote box office uh, data available in the same way that they do under the traditional theatrical model. But to my eye, at least, a lot of the uh, new original content is made at a slightly lower scale in terms of uh, production budget and audiovisual quality than one would expect in the theater. And in in saying this, I don't want to bemoan the mid-budget family film which is a time-honored tradition of the disney studio and i think the the company's bread and butter theatrically for many many years was the mid-budget film uh and i love those movies and for a long time they had kind of disappeared and one of the things i love about disney plus is that it's kind of reopened that space and we're getting a lot of those now like hocus pocus Two. uh but there is still a difference i think between uh an audience's expectation for what something looks like in the theaters, even for a mid budget film versus a made for TV movie. And w- weirdly it's like Disney plus has almost created a new middle ground between those two posts so that a lot of what we get looks better than traditional quote unquote made for TV, but doesn't have quite the polish uh, quite the budget has a little bit more of that kind of CG- low budget CGI sheen uh on Disney Plus than we would expect to see in theaters.
1: Yeah, that isn't a really astute observation with this new emergence of this new category, because it it, it makes you wonder what, what is theater quality now? Because, you know, certainly we've seen in the wake of the pandemic studios being much more deliberate about what they want to invest in for a theatrical release, and Thank goodness for Disney Plus. Like I felt like the Disney sports film was going to completely die out mm-hmm. once Disney, like you know, once it was clear that they were investing in the big blockbusters. But you know, we've had films like um, Safety and Rise and others. So it's it's nice to see that there's that space for those smaller films that ultimately still have value. Um, and then yeah, where you know where does the Hocus Pocus two fit? It seems you know obviously humongous sensation on streaming so thank goodness that uh that it was made and that this was the vehicle but it it does raise questions about even volume of films or the number of films that they're developing it feels like it's slowed down a little bit since Mm -hmm. since the launch and i know there were some things that were originally meant for theatrical and shifted to streaming but by my estimation it's there's not as many films that they're making as I think perhaps they were projecting. Uh, so that's, that's very curious to me. And when I say films, I mean like something along the lines of Hocus Pocus two or dis or disenchanted, which debuts in a week. We're recording this prior to its release.
0: Yeah. And the finances of all of this are kind of mind boggling. And, and I don't begin to you know pretend to understand sort of what the analysis is internally uh, of how this all washes out. But, you know, we hear that Netflix really since its inception as a content creator has operated at a loss in the hopes of future gains. Uh, And I think to some extent that's true and is part of the strategic planning of Disney in the launch of Disney Plus. But just this quarter, we've had, I think, not for the first time reports of underwhelming growth at Disney Plus. I think just on the streaming side of the book, they're barely eking a profit, if at all. Uh, And and so you can almost understand a reluctance to invest uh, more money in budgets. But at the same time, is that what needs to be done to pull uh, subscribers away from Netflix and keep them on Disney Plus? I don't know. And again, I I don't know where where the analysis uh, bears out there. But I imagine that in as much as we're seeing a shift in the way that things look and to your point, the frequency of new releases, I imagine that's got to be part of um, the why of that.
1: Yeah, I'm, that's what makes me, I guess, uh, to, uh, a note to end on it. That's why I'm very curious to see how the platform evolves over the coming years in terms of not only um, volume of content, but what types of properties and content they're investing in, right? Are they continuing to to rely on more legacy material, right? We see the emergence of the Santa clauses or how we are talking um prior to recording how at some point there will be a Nautilus series that bridges off of 20,000 leagues. Like, it's nice to see that there's an, an embracing of properties that were once popular, but maybe have not uh, had their fair share of attention. National Treasure, the new series there, which I'm very excited about. But is there going to be an investment in, in new content that that has no connection to to prior brands? That's going to be fascinating to see because if anything, Disney Plus is a more experimental space to engage in that Then theatrically where it seems like the studio just wants to focus on the temples that have a connection to characters or, or prior films. So that's, that's going to be really fascinating to see unfold because I feel like Disney Plus is this uh, marketplace for experimentation uh, in terms of seeing what resonates with viewers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what you just said there, the, the question of what types of content are they going to invest in and feature going ahead, that really gets into sort of the big picture comment that I wanted to make here, which is that my observation is that the brand is a bit muddled these days. And it's it's muddled in a couple of respects. And this really is a discussion that's bigger than Disney+, Plus, but it certainly affects Disney+. Plus. I think it's muddled in terms of what is and is not quote unquote Disney. And we've, this has been a thread throughout our whole discussion today, you know, Disney versus Fox versus Nat Geo, et cetera. But as the company grows larger and larger and acquires more and more properties, uh, I think the sense of what the word Disney means, uh, can, it, it can become at risk of sort of losing its meaning. And, uh, you know, a brand has to mean something for folks to invest in it. And the thing that has always set Disney apart is that there was a shared quality. There was kind of like a, a, a synergies, so to speak, a, a, a family tie between all of the disparate works that the, that the company did. And, it's not that that's gone, but I think it's it's certainly diminished and, and at risk of uh, much greater diminishment as we move forward. So I think it's something that the company needs to be really mindful of. Again, protecting brand integrity in the long term, not getting um, sort of lost in the immediate short-term focus of winning the streaming wars because you, you could win the war and, and lose the brand. Uh, And I'm not sure that Chapek's philosophy is the right philosophy to kind of safeguard that brand integrity in the long term. And then beyond that, I think the other kind of muddling that is perhaps more concerning is the idea, or maybe just more perplexing, I would say, is the idea of a child audience versus an adult audience and which kinds of content can Disney Plus be home to. And this is getting really muddled. We touched on it a bit with the Golden Girls and Home Improvement and Love, Victor, etc. cetera. Uh, but, you know, we, we see Disney editing films. You know, we they, they edited Splash to take out, you know, the, the infamous uh, posterior shot. Uh, we mentioned Star Wars being edited. Lilo and Stitch has been edited. A lot of these things happen sort of low key. There's no public notice that these films are edited. Uh, often for the sake of a child audience, Hamilton premiered with some of its F words scrubbed out. And at the same time, Disney Plus, I think in every country except the United States, is home to this new Pam and Tommy uh, miniseries, which here in the States is on Hulu, but it's extremely R-rated. I mean, it's there's full funnel nudity throughout, and it's just like on the homepage of Disney Plus in pretty much every other country. And, you know, I'm not a... Prude. I hope I'm not a prude, but that, that just seems like an odd brand mix to me. And, and so, and why can that be there? But the Golden Girls can't be. And so, I almost think to me, this is a problem that Disney really needs to commit to solving. And I don't know if it's that there needs to be one version of Disney Plus for children and families and another for adults. Uh, but if the platform wants to compete with Netflix, I think they've got to be able to give adults, you know, HBO kind of content um, or or the adult only audience won't stick around. But anyways, that kind of like contradiction, that tension is what I see as being maybe the biggest threat to the long term success of Disney Plus as a streaming entity.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it also, I feel, limits their potential new subscribership. Um I think that's why folks were over the moon of those Marvel Netflix series coming onto Disney Plus, because they were more, you know, adult in nature. Um, I, I totally hear you in terms of Disney being extremely capricious in terms of what fits that mold. And that ultimately compromised the Lizzie McGuire series, which I still am bitter about.
0: That's right. Yeah. I, I forgot about that, but that's like the perfect illustration of, of the weirdness of, uh, of these decisions.
1: Yeah. They, and, and that is a, I think you're right. That is a larger conversation. And it's also very indicative of the, the lack of cohesiveness of the Disney brand that I think you really beautifully articulated. And I think that's, that's going to be the biggest challenge for the company broadly, but also Disney plus and it's different incarnations as it, um as it expands and as if as it figures out what content can actually um be Disney specific versus Hulu because again it, there's going to be inconsistencies across countries and then you have star as part of you know right. that's the and then that's embedded on the Disney plus app for some countries so it's it's very complex it's fascinating to disentangle quite honestly <laughs> yeah truly fascinating oh uh, Aaron, are there any other final thoughts that you want to share? This has been a very rich conversation as always. No,
0: it has been. Uh, this has been so much fun. And I'm sure that if tomorrow Disney Plus took every single one of our recommendations, we would be back with a whole round two of another you know, hundred things that we would like to see, uh, such as the nature of fandom, Hope Springs Eternal. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope that some of these recommendations maybe uh, get caught up in the wind and and float their way over to the offices at Disney plus and maybe we'll see at least a few of these things
1: implemented in the future. I share that hope as well before we head out. How can listeners follow your work and uh, social presence uh sure
0: so uh i am online i'm on twitter at aaron wallace and on instagram at aaron h wallace uh, and i have a website uh, which features my book series the thinking fans guide to disney which consists of three books one about magic kingdom uh, one about epcot and one about the movie hocus pocus and uh, you can find all of that on my website aaronwallaceonline.com
1: aaron always a pleasure thank you for joining in this was a great discussion thanks so much Brian. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron Wallace as we discussed ways to enhance Disney+. Plus. What do you think of those ideas? I would welcome your feedback. You can email me at notablydisney@gmail.com at gmail.com or tweet me on Twitter and uh, let me know what your perspectives are. Certainly there's a wealth of opportunities for the platform in terms of the content it is developing and debuting. And in concert with that, the mechanisms on the platform to make it more accessible, uh, more intuitive, more fun. And I really loved just kind of piggybacking off of uh, different things that Aaron and I shared. We had crafted separate lists of items and it was fascinating to see how they just matched very well. There were some commonalities, there were some distinct elements, but ultimately it was fun to see how it was all woven together. So, always enjoy those conversations with Aaron and I hope you continue to think in your spare time of like how can Disney plus be better and maybe send that feedback along thanks again for joining me on another episode of notably Disney I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review follow me on twitter at b.nachmanreports. reports that's b-n-a-c-h-m-a-n reports and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to NotablyDisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney.